0: Welcome to Dark Materials, I'm Fear. Hi! I'm Rachel, hello! This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this
1: episode, we are talking about chapter two of The Subtle Knife, Among the Witches.
0: you
1: i'm good i I think i'm good (laughs) i am achy and a little bit chilly but also very cozy because i'm wearing my big fluffy dressing gown in the house pajama life for me
0: (laughs) rachel's wearing a dressing gown and also some fingerless compression gloves that make her look like she's in all of her oh what's that artful dodger you like the artful dodger (laughs) (laughs) yes
1: uh i've had a really busy week making lots of things and i have old lady joints sometimes so my my extremities are aching from like holding tiny paintbrushes and holding tiny things and painting them so compression gloves highly recommend if you spend a lot of time and you get really achy fingers and wrists from typing a lot or things like that compression gloves are the answer but also you look like the artful Dutcher. not <laughs> are they like super tight Do they hurt yeah, it's like your hands are being hugged all over. <laughs> and then I've also got compression ones that go further up. She's
0: like compression queen over here. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Everything hurts. <laughs> what have you been up to apart from... Well, actually, tell everyone about your amazing fucking spoopy... Halloween shit that you're going to be putting out so on a
1: Saturday the Saturday that's just happened on Saturday the third I put loads of spooky things in my shop because it's Halloween month happy October
0: happy spooky month (laughs) oh my god happy fucking spooky month oh my god I love Halloween so much
1: so much everything that I make I've pretty much done spooky cute versions of it and made some new spooky cute things lots of little pumpkin-y things things may have already sold out because I'm hoping slash I've had a really good reaction to the stuff that I've shared so far online. So I'm kind of like, did I make enough things? I don't know. I hope so. (laughs) So I might already be frantically working on making more things if things sell really well. And if they haven't, buy them, please. Basically, that's my gambit.
0: I am going to tell you which ones I want so you can save me one. Okay. I'm running out of space to put your stuff rich, but I'll make more So it has got a weird little sh- shrine to things that I've made for her. I have. It's also got Buffy stuff on there too, so I feel like it's a shrine to Buffy and to you. <laughs>
1: it's the only way I'd ever want
0: it. Uh, I want to tell you something that uh, I've been doing, which is rewatching Glee. Oh, is. Ooh. A wild ride. I watched Glee way back when it first came out. And then recently, I've just been like, do you know what? I'll watch it again. And it made me, I think because Naya Rivera died horribly and really sadly, that I was like, okay, I think I might rewatch Glee because I always really liked Santana. Like she had a great lesbian storyline. They put loads of emphasis on her coming out and things like that, and I really enjoyed that. So I was like, okay, cool, I'm gonna rewatch it. And it's such a fucking wild ride. Sometimes there are so many songs in an episode that I just wanna go and sit in a fucking dark room. I can't handle it. And if the song don't have anything to do with the plot, I just skip through them now I'm like I can't I can't do this I just can't
1: it was such a phenomenon as well like I never really watched it at the time and I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through and I tried to start watching it a few months ago when they put it on Netflix and the wanting to sit in a dark room and hide thing happened for me a lot sooner than it happened for you and I just switched it off and I couldn't go I can't go back
0: I am halfway season through season three and it's a slog I'm not gonna lie a lot of the time I'm like I don't want to watch this but I never got to the end in my first watch, so I really want to make it to the end. Part of me is like, do I just watch the fucking last episode and see what happens? <laughs> well, we know you're really good at that thing. I'm really good at watching the last episode of things. Well, you're, good, you're really
1: good at finding out what happens at the end of things, even if you don't watch them all the way through, and then telling
0: me about them. It's true. <laughs> uh, and don't even, because you already knew about Game of Thrones. So I technically, I did not spoil it for
1: they you. They spoiled the end of Game of Thrones for me.
0: No, I didn't, because you already
1: knew. Minutes. I didn't. Like no, no. I had suspicions, but I hadn't had
0: anything confirmed. It was one thing. There's so much that happens in that episode that I could tell you about.
1: (laughs) Anyway, it doesn't matter because I know that Faye feels really bad about it, and I really like making her feel bad about it. Yeah, it's
0: really mean. I know. Anyway, I would recommend, like, I'm, like, trying to think, would I recommend Glee? If you want to, if you want some absolute chaos in your life, then sure. It's, it's so annoying, because, like, some of the storylines, like, I'm really invested in, and then they'll do an episode, they did a disco episode that I watched today, and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. Sometimes no plot happens in one of the episodes, but then sometimes loads of plot happens, and I actually quite like, like, although the plots can be, like, fucking ridiculous, I do like them. I feel like you
1: watching Glee is like me watching Riverdale. It's ridiculous, and I'm here for how ridiculous it is, but when they sing too much, I'm out. Which in Riverdale only happens once a season, but when they have a musical episode, I can't watch it, and then it's like months until I come back to the show again, because I just can't bring myself to watch them singing. I can't.
0: Remember when they ruined Heather's? (laughs) I love how angry you are about it.
1: I have not seen the musical all the way through, so I don't know how much they ruined it, but I I know from you that they did.
0: (laughs) They ruined it. I don't even watch Riverdale, but I watched that episode purely for the fact that they they were doing Heather's musical, which is one of my favourite musicals, and I was like, how dare you just shut up right now? And I've never watched it again.
1: (laughs) I love it. The ridiculousness of the plots is something that makes me really happy in Riverdale because it is just ludicrous, and I'm fine with that. (laughs) I grew up on a steady diet of, death, like, Desperate Housewives. So, like, I'm really here for a, like, blown out proportion plot. And then when you add in, like, weird things like Dungeons and Dragons. Why? <laughs> sure. Fine. Good. I'll, I'm on board. I'll watch some pretty people chat and shit. If you've really enjoyed listening to us basically giving you a review of Glee <laughs> and of Riverdale... <laughs> Because that's what we're here for. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> this is my excellent segue, by the way. I love it. Speaking of reviews, woo! Um, okay. <laughs> she segued. <laughs> it was it, the struggle was real, but I got there. <laughs> we, in our infinite journey through podcasting, after having read and podcasted about an entire book, have realised that what we
0: ought to do is. Get you guys to leave reviews for us. Yeah, we do say it in the outro, but like we've never really pushed, pushed it. it in any way. <laughs> so here
1: we are. Just two girls standing in front of a <laughs> microphone, standing in front of you, <laughs> asking you to leave us a review.
0: Oh my god, Rich, you're on fire. Uh, you're okay.
1: okay. i recently been listening to the amazing harry potter podcast the gaily prophet and inspired by the way that they are encouraging their listeners to leave reviews for them because the internet gods demand reviews in order to help podcasts to succeed we are taking inspiration from their podcast prize draw or review leaving prize draw and doing something similar so here's the deal leave us a review please make it a nice one (laughs) give us five stars if you have any bad thoughts about us, don't leave us a review, but uh, send it in a letter to the sea. Um, <laughs> leave us a friendly review, take a screenshot of that review, email it to us. That counts as an entry into a prize draw, and when we hit 50 reviews, we'll pick 10 of you, and you will receive some super cool pod bookmarks in the post. Mm. Yes, yeah, you will. That is the plan.
0: Yeah, and you can review us on anything really so like anywhere you listen if it lets you review like so obviously apple podcasts actually i was going to like list some i don't know where else you can leave reviews on on whatever but like wherever you can leave as a review i also think you can review on facebook right you can yeah remember to screenshot because it's really hard for us to keep track of where reviews are being sent in if you don't send a screenshot we won't be able to enter you in the prize draw so make sure you send your screenshot of your review to herdarmaterialspod at gmail.com Faye oh, how well what would your demon have been this week Sir, so, Bake Off is back Great British Bake Off is back yes I love that you're into it now right <laughs> I will say I wasn't planning I've I've watched it pretty much not like every year because it's been on for a while but do you know when it started getting popular like five or six years ago I think that's when I started watching it but I think it's been going on way longer than that I've watched
1: it every year since it started
0: amazing of course you have <laughs> you're so wholesome I would expect <laughs>
1: nothing less. do you want to know I used to watch it I used to help my mum out. She was a brownie guide leader oh and I helped God. out as a young leader. And my Auntie Sue looks after the keys to the village hall. And so we, after brownies, we'd go to my Auntie Sue's house for a cup of tea to drop off the village hall keys and we'd watch Bake Off together on a Tuesday night when it was on the BBC on a Tuesday. So I don't know if it could get more wholesome
0: Good than hell. that. <laughs> Why are you the cutest thing that's ever lived? <laughs> oh, Bake Off. Oh, I'll Bake <laughs> Off. So I kind of, in the last couple of years, I was like, uh, it's getting a bit shit. I'm not bothered. So I watched like half of last year's maybe and then stopped because I, I was bored. And then obviously it's fucking locked down. There's nothing else going on. It's like, why not force myself to watch a bit of joy every week? Do you know what I mean? Because like, I'm not getting much joy these days. So I watched it and I really liked it and her pick carries on being good. There were some fucking ridiculous, what would you call them, challenges? Is that what they call them? Tasks? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
1: they're like the showstopper bake level, which is the final level of the
0: show. Yeah, (laughs) which was ridiculously shit and it was so fucking funny. So yeah, I was thinking about Bake Off and then I was thinking about whenever you see shots on Bake Off of like the outside and it always looks nice, like it's rarely ever raining. And like, if it is raining, it still looks really fucking nice. And I always see like squirrels running around. And I was like, I think my demon this week would be a little squirrel because I, I really wanted to be like outside in that little area and it could like help me roam around and have little adventures with me. Amazing. <laughs> have you heard of the Bake squirrel? squirrel? Uh, I feel like I
1: have. So this happened on one of the occasions when I was at my auntie's house watching got Bake Off of balls. with my mum. Yes. <laughs> and there's this, this is it like a lovely little shot. I think it was in the bake-off finale. it was quite it was long enough ago that I was at my auntie's house. And it's like a cute little panning shot. And it's like, oh a lovely little squirrel, like nibbling on something, and it's like facing away. And then this squirrel like pops up and turns around to the camera and it's just got humongous balls <laughs> it's just <laughs> the biggest squirrel wiener and ball situation oh, you've ever God. seen and they aired it they aired it on the bbc because I, I guess um, why wouldn't they but it became like a bit of a meme thing of um that squirrel and like you know with the sound that's like boom yeah
0: that but with a squirrel um and so I just really love that you've chosen to be a big bald bake-off squirrel did I did I say it had big balls I mean maybe <laughs> I'm changing my answer now to the fucking bake-off big ball squirrel I'm just looking at it now by the way
1: <laughs> but it was just such wow. a shock especially because I was with my mum and my auntie and we were like did that just happen on
0: the BBC <laughs> <laughs> everybody uh... google bake-off squirrel and click on images you will not be disappointed <laughs> or maybe I you mean will. It, you might be <laughs> What's your demon, Rich? For me, this week, the first
1: thing that came to mind is that I've I've got really achy joints. And you know that um Alsatians, because they're so overbred, get arthritis really easily.
0: Oh, don't they? I think
1: my demon might be an arthritic Alsatian. Oh. <laughs> We'd just like sit together and whinge about our achy joints. And also, it, the weather's got a bit colder, and a great big lovely Alsatian would be... Like the best, so fuzziest dog to like oh, yeah. cuddle
0: and be amazing. And they're really, really cute when they ears stick up. When I was younger, I used to be scared of dogs because my mum's friend had a dog that uh, jumped up at me when I was three and knocked me over. And she was a really lovely dog. Like it wasn't out of like malice or anything. She just wanted to, she was so excited to see you that she jumped up at everyone, but I was only three, so it knocked me over. I didn't get over it for years. I was terrified of dogs until I was maybe my late teens and now I would die for every dog i ever see. But my friend that lived around the corner used to have an Alsatian and I was fucking terrified of it. It was massive. And it used to come like bounding out of the fucking garage to like bark at you and stuff. And again, it was a nice dog, but I was so scared of it. I, was, I never wanted to go around to her house. And if I knocked on the door, it like said, dad used to work in the garage a lot. If I knocked on the door, I'd be like, please don't open the garage door. Cause the dog would like run through the garage. Aww. But I love them now. I think they're, they're, they're so massive though, aren't they? They're like really, really big. Yeah, it would be so great having a great big Alsatian, being all warm and fuzzy and cuddlable.
1: Especially, yeah, the weather's turned. It's gone from boiling hot last week to like chilly and like dressing gown weather and like, all of the demons that I pick from now on will probably be like massive hairy beasts because I just
0: want something warm and cuddly to hang out with yeah I love that the weather's turned I fucking love autumn I love Halloween I love a woolly jumper I've got so many woolly jumpers I've
1: just been sat waiting all summer yeah just waiting
0: for me yeah (laughs) I've
1: got like a drawer full of
0: jumpers and I'm like I can't wait to to let you out Last chapter, we met Will Parry, a boy from a world that is very much like ours. Will and his mum fled from some men who had broken into their house
1: looking for information on Will's dad.
0: Will accidentally killed one of the men and ran away. He stumbled across a window to another world and climbed through. Lyra and Will met in the brand new world. Yay, Lyra and Will. (laughs) In this chapter, we join Seraphina. as she tries to save a captured witch from being tortured by Mrs. Coulter. She's back. Serafina is on a
1: mission to find Lyra and visits the Witches' Consul in Trollesund, then visits Thorold on Svalbard to try and find out more about Asriel's plan.
0: Serafina heads back home where we find out Lee has been staying with the Witches. We meet Rutus Gadi,
1: the leader of the Latvian Witches. Also, did we mention this chapter is very gay? <laughs> <It's>
0: so gay! <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Got-
1: Hello, Fa. Welcome to the, the gayest chapter we've had yet.
0: Hello. I'm so fucking excited. I loved it. I loved it so much. It's so gay. I loved Me it. Me
1: too. Basically, if at any point you can read sexual tension into the situation, that is what we're about to do because there's a lot of it
0: and... I'm really here for it. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's so funny. I was telling our friend Claire, hi Claire, that this chapter is really gay. And she was like, oh my God, I need to read it immediately. And I was like, feeling like she was very excited for lots of gay action. I was like, okay, I'm going to manage your expectations a little bit. It's gay for a straight white man writing something in 1995.
1: Oh yeah. It's
0: gay if you want it to be.
1: It, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it, there's, there's nothing ex- explicit. It's all subtext. There's no text. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. I feel like uh, this is a chapter of four very obvious parts mm-hmm. we get to spend some time with our pal Serafina Peckler it's like a day in the life of you know when you're watching like a tv series or a movie and it's like there'll be like an episode that's called like Serafina's day and then it's just following that one character around it's just that and I I'm, I really love it
0: it really <laughs> is and like it's the most time we've ever spent with Serafina and it's also the most time we've ever spent without Lyra oh uh, yeah yeah a whole chapter and I mean she's talked about
1: a lot but she's not actually here which is very exciting so it's yeah it's like a chapter of four parts Serafina spends some time on a boat she spends some time drinking tea with the witch's console she spends some time drinking coffee with Thurl. <laughs> and then she goes to a witch meeting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she does it's all very exciting so it I really guess is.
0: we'll start at the beginning let's do that our our dear Serafina She's uh, she's feeling troubled. It gives us a bit of like context at the beginning, doesn't it? Just in case you forget what happened in Northern Lights. <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, Seraphine has that witch that
1: you met last night yeah. <laughs> <month." laughs> that helps Lyra out. And then it's like, oh, also, by the way, asriel opened a window into another world which you kind of knew already Mm -hmm. and then also by the way that's fucked everything up basically a massive wind (laughs) blew everybody off course like massively from wherever they were flying around because last time seraphina and lyra were like together was in lee scorsby's balloon before she even went to yorick's palace castle i don't know palace That, that ice palace before she even went there and helped him like dethrone yoffa and become a king
0: so it's bloody ages ago well actually it was probably only like a week ago or something right but it seems like fucking forever ago oh, i was in in their time like yesterday
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well lyra reckons she's been in the other world for about three days right yeah so it's probably only been
0: yeah like a week maybe we learn that her and uh, Serafina and Kaiser are searching for Lyra, and that's kind of like her main mission throughout this chapter, isn't it? To find Lyra and what's going on with her. And then we learn that they find a witch's demon that's lost. Yeah, that's a little turn. Panicky. Yeah, he's from the. I want to say, is it Taimir? Would you pronounce it Taimir? Taimir. Pronunciation is not our bag. It's not. <laughs> it's not our bag, baby. To quote Austin Powers, I'm sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> He tells Serafina and Kaiser that also, before I say this next point, I think this is the first time we've seen Kaiser and Serafina together. Right? And I'm annoyed that I just said that because I actually don't know. And now we're both going to be like, I can't remember, but I'm just going to put it out there. Is it the first time we've seen them together?
1: Unless they reunited at the battle at Bolvanger, then yes, it's the first time we've seen them together. But I think it's the first time we've seen them have a conversation because even if they were fighting together at Bolvanger, we didn't get
0: to spend any time with them. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that dynamic between the two of them. We learn that the Turn Demon, his witch has been captured by the woman. The woman with the monkey. Oh my my God, I'm so happy that we get fucking Coulter back almost immediately in this book. Because I, obviously, because of my shit memory, I honestly couldn't remember when she came into it. I, do you remember we had a conversation when the season two trailer came out and what happens with Coulter and the witch in this chapter? They like allude to it in the trailer, and I remember saying to you, I was like, does that happen in the book? In the book, and you were like, hell yes, it happens in the book. And then it like all came back to me, and I was like, oh, I remember, I remember oh, that. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my note for this is, despite it being a terrible situation, obviously, the little demon's very afraid, is just, do the Coulter dance! Yes, <laughs> <Coulter's> back! <laughs> she's just such a good villain, and she's about to continue to be such a good villain. So yeah, we also learn that it is foggy as fuck, so the little demon's like, oh, they've got my witch on a ship, but they can't see anything, and so Serafina helps them look, because she's such a good witch-
0: witch pal, witch friend. Yeah and we learn as well that um the the witch that's been captured and the turn demon they were on the side of the the child cutters as they call them so the people at Bulbanger but until they learned what they were doing and then like the witches have kind of pulled away from that now. he'd like you said to have his wish on a ship and it took me ages when I was reading these paragraphs. It keeps mentioning a launch and I didn't know what a launch was in terms of what birds are. Oh what's a launch? So I think I haven't Googled it, but from just reading the chapter twice, I think it's a little bird that comes to the big bird. So like, you know like Coulter is not on the ship. She gets on the ship from the launch. And I think that's why they say there's like a massive there's like a bird that's not making enough noise to be a massive ship, which I think Serafina alludes to. And then there's a, a massive ship that makes that big foghorn noise. So I think there's there's two there's one ship, one bird, and the bird is a launch and it's carrying Mrs. Coulter to the massive ship. I've Googled it for you. Am
1: I wrong? You are correct. Oh. No, you are correct. Okay, so a launch is an open motorboat. Okay. Basically, so it's a smaller ship with an open top.
0: So it lives on the ship. Okay, I'm, oh, I'm happy that I worked that out. I know it's not difficult to work out, but I was like, hmm. This is why I read the chapter twice because it's only on the second read-through that I kind of put two and two together. Yeah, like you said, it's super foggy and the launch is carrying Mrs. Coulter to the big ship. So she's got shit to do on that ship she's she's heading for it there's
1: a lot of stealthiness basically seraphina mm. pretends to be a witch that's still on the side of the people and like offers to like guide the little launch boat to the bigger ship and she like flies around to find the big ship unfortunately that guy doesn't realize that all the witches have fucked off yeah and he lets her guide her in and basically now seraphina's on the big ship yeah, Pre- pretty simple. She's, I've dubbed her for this chapter, Stealthafina Pekela, because oh she God. is the stealthiest. <laughs> and I love a pun. <laughs> um, but that's basically her MO, this entire, like, section. Hiding. She's just hiding. She's kind of chilling in the shadows. In It's very foggy. That's mm-hmm. why she's having to help the little ship and the big ship. And that's why she's able to hide so well, because there's just fog everywhere, which is another thing that Lord Azrael caused to happen.
0: Yeah. So Mrs. Coulter, she gets on the ship and Serafina sees her and then there's a man that hurries to meet her and he starts trying to talk about Lord Boreal and Mrs. Coulter interrupts him and says, he's gone on elsewhere. Have they started the torture? Instantly, we kind of know that something is happen- happening with Boreal, right? Put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. Get your pin out. Yeah. Like Lord Boreal on the pin and put-, put the pin
1: in that. Put the pin in that. <laughs> and that there's some torture going on. And that she's eager to get involved. Just in case you weren't sure about who Mrs. Coulter is when you opened this book, just know that she's a psychopath and she's super into torture, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. She's just so keen to get in on it, and it is just in case you're excited to see
0: Coulter is a really great reminder that she is a terrible person <laughs> totally yeah and we get a little description of her face as a, a, according to Serafina it says she pushed back her hood Serafina Peckler saw her face clearly in the yellow light proud passionate and to the witch so young she's so young
1: she, Serafina rec- like recognizes that Coulter is
0: hot but also that she's evil that is what yeah. happened just there yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is very true Mrs. Coulter kind of realises that there's something fishy going on, right? Because she says to one of the, the the men, where are the other witches? And the man the man on the ship says, they're all gone, they fled to their homeland. But then Coulter says, well, a witch guided me in. So like, she's kind of put that, she's probably put that to the back of her brain and she's like, hmm, okay, something fishy. Mm-hmm. Something fishy happening here. And that's fortunate because it now, like the fact that she's had
1: that conversation because at least now Serafina knows, oh, that was fluke look yeah that that guy was chill about me leading the boat in and
0: i'm just gonna disappear
1: now
0: because i'm gonna get killed if i show up again yeah exactly so seraphina hides and she so no one can see her but if she wanted to be able to see more because mrs Coulter goes into the ship and so do the other people so there's obviously shit going down going down in the ship that's probably where the torture is happening and seraphina's like well i'm not seen here but I need to get in there, so I need to do something else. Like I can't just walk in there because they're gonna fucking mm-hmm. see me. So I love this so much. Yeah, she <sighs> Don't you just love this? <laughs> so She so there was one... I'm just going to read it. There was one thing she could do. She was reluctant because it was desperate. Sorry. She was reluctant because it was desperately risky and it would leave her exhausted, but it seemed there was no choice. It was a kind of magic she could work to make herself unseen. True invisibility was impossible, of course. This was mental magic, a kind of fiercely held modesty that could make the spell worker not invisible, but simply unnoticed. Holding it with the right degree of intensity, she could pass through a crowded room walk beside a solitary traveller without being seen. It.
1: it made me think of Terry Pratchett and his witches, and I cannot, for the life of me, remember if it is something that his witches do, or if I've just melded these two books together, but it's a very Pratchett-y way of witching. Mm. Of like, it's nothing to do with actual magic, it's just acting in such a way that is so, like... There's nothing sparkly about it. It's all just to do with tricking tricking people and becoming and like working on people's assumptions and working on yeah. other people's like lack of interest or whatever. Yeah. And just beco- yeah, becoming uninteresting and it also makes me think really hard about the way that Will is so good at hiding and so it has has had to learn how to do something very similar in his mm-hmm. life with his mum in the last chapter. We hear a lot about him making himself unnoticeable yeah, 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 totally. in his life. And then now we're seeing Serafina Fina Peckler like doing it in a really magical
0: way. Yeah. I really, I love it so much. No, me too. It's so great. And we learn that it's really difficult for her to do this. And it takes a lot of, I suppose, like power to keep it that way. She has to like constantly... Be mentally aware of it, and like really strive in her brain to keep that kind of clerk, so to speak, like over herself, so she's not seen. So we know it's a struggle for her to do. It takes her a couple of minutes to do it, and then she steps out to test it um, with one of the like uh, men on the ship that are coming towards her, and he just like steps aside and carries on walking. So I, that's what I kind of love about it, what you were saying is like she's still a solid being that people would like step aside to avoid. But she's not, uh, she's not, like, fully invisible. She's still there. But it's kind of more like a magic on the brain, right, to be, like, not yeah. noticed.
1: It also literally just made me think about one of the best creepy Doctor Who things <laughs> that happens, which is this thing called the silence. I think it's called mm. the silence. Um, but, like, it's an alien thing where whenever, like, you can see it and interact with it and whatever, but the moment you look away from it, you've completely forgotten that you've seen it. Mm. It's just really scary and, like, the characters in Doctor Who start, like, writing... When they, like, see one, they'll write a tally mark on their arm in, like, eyeliner or something. And then there'll just be a really scary moment where it's, like, 10 minutes into an episode and they look down and their arm is covered in tally marks because they've seen loads of these aliens oh but, like, they don't remember it. And it's super great and super scary. But it made me think of that because, like, the whole thing is the person's seen her enough to step aside.
0: Yeah. But they've not noticed her enough to remember that they've seen her, which I just I, really yeah. Love. I'm sure drink that there's something similar in harry potter not the invisibility clerk obviously we know that that's the thing that actually makes you invisible but i'm sure there's some kind of spell that does a very similar thing um, makes you boring enough not to remember or something. yeah like or yeah. very unnoticeable but yeah i, I wouldn't I can't remember my uh, my memory is so bad now that even though I've read Harry Potter a million times like I it's it's just draining away like the knowledge (laughs) is going. Fair enough I've got a
1: Harry Potter question for you later and I'm sure you won't be able to answer it. (laughs) I mean I might it's like some things are
0: still there maybe it'll be one of the things that are still there.
1: (laughs) Yeah so she goes down Colt is having a meeting with the cardinal yeah and A bunch of other random blokes and a guy with that's like thin faced and has a little frog demon and loads and loads of books with him and an alethiometer Mm.
0: so that's for pavel right and yeah he's like it made me think of the tv show when fucking boreal keeps calling him ratty (laughs) ratty yeah (laughs) and like we never i don't know if they'll do it in the second season but we never got to the bottom of that did we because he was like threatening him with some knowledge that he had of him And it was all super weird and a bit, like, there's a bit of, like, sexual tension there. And we were like, what is going on here? I wonder if, I mean, like, I can't remember if that's a thing that happens in this book. but
1: I cannot either. But yeah, yeah, I kind of, you get the impression he is the kind of character where he doesn't actually really care about the morality of any of the things that he's doing, whether it's right or wrong. He's just really into reading his books and, like, solving puzzles from his book that he's spent ages learning how to do. So I think he's one of those weird, like, neutral characters where he's not an outright baddie yeah but he is um like on the side of the baddies and helping them out which is very much how that is but um basically it's really weird to like witness this conversation and seraphina does a surprisingly good job of staying invisible all the dudes in the room are trying to get information out of colter about lyra because they seem to think she knows more than she does yeah and colter is completely in the dark about what whatever's happened with lyra
0: it's like, she's my daughter, tell me the information. Yeah. And they're like, no, you tell me the information. Yeah. <laughs> like, neither of them has it. Did we mention that Mrs. Coulter is the only woman in that room as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know as well whether obviously it's confirmed in this bit, but I didn't know whether the magisterium knew that Lyra was Mrs. Coulter's daughter, but then obviously she just says it anyway, so they must have known.
1: I think they must do because they will have been involved with whatever happened. In the terms of the courts and stuff with Mrs. Coulter's past with the Asriel and Mr. Coulter. True,
0: true, true. Um, So they're saying, they're basically saying as well, the witch that they've got, that they're torturing, knows something about Lyra and that's why they're torturing her. Um, And like you said, they're like trying to get information from Mrs. C about Lyra. And that there's a prophecy about Lyra, which we know there's
1: a prophecy. The witches have mentioned a prophecy, but Mrs. Coulter seems really surprised by it. Uh, It seems that there is a prophecy. It concerns the child, you see, Mrs. Coulter. All the signs have been fulfilled. The circumstances of her birth, to begin with, which I imagine he said with like a horrid like Mm. look on his face, because he was probably shaming her, because that's what they're all about. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The circumstances of her birth, to begin with. The Egyptians know something about her too. They speak of her in terms of witch oil and marsh fire. Uncanny, you see. Hence her success in leading the Egyptian men to Bolvanger. And then there's her astonishing feat of deposing the Bear King joffa Ragnarsson. this is no ordinary child fra pavel can tell us more perhaps and so that's kind of interesting that they've kind of flagged all these things that lyra's done that we thought she fell into a yeah. circumstance yeah. as being indicators that she is the person that's prophesied because totally. she's fulfilling this prophecy as she like goes along her life
0: yeah we find out next as well that we learned in the first book that there's six alethiometers right but now we learn that all the others have been destroyed by the Magisterium. So there's only the one that Lyra has, and then the one that Fra Pavel's using. Mm-hmm.
1: Because knowledge is power, and institutions that are abusive of their power like to control the power and destroy anyone else's access to it. Fuck you, Magisterium. <laughs> yeah. Why,
0: why would you smash such pretty things? Just put them in a safe somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he says something that I really love about Lyra, and I'm sure he doesn't mean it as a compliment, but he says, um, I learned from this instrument that the child was given her elitiometer her, her by the master of Jordan College and that she learned to read it by herself and that she can use it without the book of readings. If it were possible to disbelieve the alethiometer, I would do so, because to use the instrument without the books is simply inconceivable to me. It takes decades of diligent study to reach any sort of understanding. She began to read it within a few weeks of acquiring it, and now she has an almost complete mastery. She is like no human scholar I can imagine.
1: Boom. Lyra for the win. Yay, Lyra. <laughs> it's She's just so special. I, <laughs> I love
0: her. It just makes me feel so proud of her. But these grown men are, like, scared of her, basically.
1: Oh, I totally missed a bit that I really wanted to Mm -hmm. point out. When they're quizzing Coulter, the cardinal is like, I'm wondering what Mrs. Coulter knows. Is there something she should have told us before, I wonder? And Coulter snaps back and is like, you will have to speak to me more plainly than that. You forget I am a woman, your eminence, and thus not so subtle as a prince of the church. What is this truth that I should have known about the child? And it's like, she says it icily, and I can just imagine her being like fuck you with every word that she's saying like totally oh i'm just a little woman that you've graced to like allow me to like sit at your table you'll have to explain yourself more clearly because i'm just a little woman and like every single like every single one of those words is like dripping with a fuck you
0: oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so bad i hope we get uh, i hope we get to see ruth wilson say those words or something along those lines in the in the second season of the T V show. Because I would brilliant. fucking love to see her deliver that.
1: Yeah. There's like a horrible bloke at the table as well, where they were asking for a Papa like, where's Lyra now? And he's like, oh she's in another world. And this other man with a muskrat demon who gnaws at a pencil, which I think is really cute. But then the man says a horrible thing about mm. torturing the witch again. Yeah. But Coulter is demanding to know about the prophecy. And it says, her power over them was visible. The golden monkey glared around the table and none of them could look him in the face. And I love it. Yeah, I love how she's the only woman in the room. She's got dominance over the room and it's, she's so scary, but I'm not enjoying all the talk of torture. So that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just love that she's getting so bloody mad about it because I think she's so used to knowing everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, this
1: group of men are withholding information from her. Yeah. And I just look. We've not seen her get, like, totally furious before. We've seen her snap and be cruel and horrid and mean. Yeah. I feel like she's, like, genuinely furious. Mm,
0: totally. The cardinal... The cardinal's the only one that doesn't flinch. So he's the only one that can, I suppose, like, hold his own against Coulter. And he says, "Uh, "'The witch has hinted at something extraordinary. I dare not believe what I think it means. If it's true, it places on us the most terrible responsibility men and women have ever faced.'" So it's big shit happening, big shit happening. I love that there's a lot of like big shit being hinted at, but it's so,
1: I don't know if we're going to find out what it Mm. is, you know?
0: (laughs) This fucking next bit is so fucking hilarious to me because he's like, but I ask you again, Mrs. Coulter, what do you know of the child and her father? mrs Coulter's face was chalk white with fury how dare you interrogate me she spat and how dare you keep from me what you've learned from the witch and finally how dare you assume that i'm keeping something from you And I just love that there's three how dare yous. How dare. (laughs) How fucking dare is like my favorite thing to say. And I love that there's three of them. And also I just love that like in my brain, she's like thinking of more stuff to say. She's like, how dare you do this? How dare you do that? And actually, how dare you fucking do this? And how dare you do that? And I'm like, yes, bitch, (laughs) fucking tell (laughs) him. How How dare.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think my note for that was literally just, Colter is mad. She She is so mad.
0: She is so mad. But yeah, I I suppose like the rest of this paragraph is a great Mrs. Colt's paragraph. And the one that I put another sticker on is a bit the end. She's having like a real rant at uh, the Cardinal and the rest of them. And she says, my child, my own child conceived in sin and born in shame, but my child nonetheless. And you keep from me what I have every right to know. And... She says it really poetically, like, uh, conceived in sin and born in shame. Not that we agree with that. We've talked a lot about Mrs. Coulter's shame before. But I kind of really liked how she said that. There's something really, like, powerful to it, even though... Well, it kind of shows her shame, doesn't it? It shows how. It does. I think the
1: way that she says it so eloquently is an indicator that that's the way she's written it into the life story that she's written in her head, if that makes sense. yeah like this is the picture that she's painted of herself she's like my child conceived in sin and born in shame and I've had to rise from the ashes of that shame and I've had to like and I think she kind of maybe has like rehearsed not rehearsed it in her head but has this like story in her head Mm -hmm. and like that is her story yeah Yeah. and that's maybe why it's so poetic
0: yeah yeah and then There's a guy and he's like, please, please, Mrs. Coulter, the the witch hasn't spoken yet. We shall learn more from her. And everyone's basically shitting shitting themselves. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, Fra Parvel is going to ask the alethiometer the same question that they're trying to ask the witch. Mm -hmm. But obviously, he's not as good as Lyra. So, it'll take (laughs) him like weeks to get an answer uh, because it's quite a complex question. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, Mrs. was like, well, but the witch could tell us immediately if I just torture her hard enough, so uh, let's go. And then they, like, jostle to get out of the room and down the corridor and into yeah. the torture room. And I dislike the idea of them, like,
0: jostling.
1: Jostling to get into the torture room. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't want to be the last one in. I've got a good
0: view. It's weird. Yeah, I didn't like that either.
1: Yeah. And poor Seraphina has to, like, compose herself because, like, she's pretty stressed out and it's starting to make her visible again which i kind of like the fact that she's having to witness these conversations and is about to we know witness a witch being tortured adds all this like extra tension because we know that part of her staying invisible is keeping her composure and it's going to be something that's really hard to keep your composure through
0: yeah no totally this next bit is fucking brutal and again i wonder like what you thought of it when you read it as a kid it's fucking it's a lot
1: um, I genuinely can't remember. I think I, I think I just remember Philip does a really good job of sitting you in Serafina's shoes here, and mm-hmm. I think it was just the stress of the situation that kind of yeah. comes across. In terms of like today's media and how bad you could try and do a thing that was a torture scene, it's not the worst thing you've ever seen. No, totally. It's kind of it's a couple of broken fingers and a slap in the face, but you not Some broken legs. To... Yeah, I think our legs are broken w- when Colter comes in. So yeah, we yeah. So you get the idea that there's been some horrible stuff, and then the horrible stuff that you're actually physically reading in the book isn't it's horrible, but it's not it's not gratuitous, mm. I think, is the way of phrasing yeah. it. Like I don't think it, I don't think I read it and was like traumatized reading it as a kid.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love it, obviously. Like I don't want to see this witch get tortured, but the brutality of it and the gore, I'm into it. <laughs> I think it's just
1: Really really hammering home And cementing that Coulter is a horrible person Oh my thing. god I'm yeah like, I really want to like Dig into why It is that Like she is literally tort- It is horrendous She's literally Torturing somebody And yet There's just this part of me That's like Yes Mrs. Coulter Such a strong woman And I really yeah. Really need to question That in myself Because like She's an absolute icon She's an absolute icon And a wonderful villainess But um, but it is brutal. Like, I guess in the same way that if you're watching, I just said Villainess and it made me think Villanelle. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're watching Killing Eve and you're seeing Villanelle do horrible things, horrible things, and you're like, ah, oh, Villanelle, oh, she's so great. And it's just this weird thing that kind of comes with this character that is a femme fatale type character of finding them so intriguing at the same time as horrendous.
0: <laughs> a lot of it for me comes from the fact that Mrs. Coulter and Villanelle have power And that is not something that's massively accessible to women. It just isn't. And I think the way that they are so powerful in their own right, and they know themselves really well, and they know how to compose themselves, and they know how to get what they want, and they're skilled at what they do, and also they have like men that are terrified of them, that's really appealing to me because you don't see it a lot.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I guess it's this is the thing. If she had the same level of confidence and sway over the room and wasn't doing horrible things, then you wouldn't feel conflicted about the fact that you're thinking she's great.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like it's it's interesting because it is like the comparison to Azriel, like we hear Azriel and we haven't seen him do half of the most horrific stuff that Mrs. Coulter's doing. But I think it's the fact that he is a man that has power and is abusing that power. Whereas Mrs. Coulter has clawed her way up to the top despite everyone trying to fucking knock her down and like we've said so many times like would she not that it's an excuse for what she's doing but would she have gone down that route if she didn't feel um if she could get to the top the normal way that a man would be able to get to the top Uh, but we know that she couldn't
1: i wonder if okay i'm putting like things together in my head as we're talking mrs Colter's brutality is in service of a maintenance of the power she struggled to achieve. Whereas Mm -hmm. if Azrael is brutal, it's an abuse of a power he was given. Yeah. And he's not necessarily fighting as hard for it. Whereas hers is very much a brutality to maintain an image and a power that she is struggling to maintain Mm. because of the society she's in, maybe?
0: No, totally. No, that's a really good way of putting it. I think as well that (sighs) we've said this loads of times before, but like, especially around the time that this came out we weren't getting many characters that were women that had that were like villains like this we've spoke about before how kind of like men characters that are women were are usually just like they are absolutely perfect or they are completely a fucking mess like you don't like you you are seeing more of it now but you don't really get much of an in-between and like you don't really get a lot of women that are fucking super villains like mrs Coulter is um basically so i think it just means
1: you're gonna get a really well-written scene as
0: well yeah
1: when she walks in the room you're like well this is gonna be a like an interesting moment there's never gonna be a boring moment when Coulter's around and i think maybe that's a big part of it as well it's like you know that shit's going to get real when she walks in the room. Mm. And that's like an excitement of like, the narrative's going to get more complex and interesting because she's here. Yeah. As well as as being like, it's refreshing to have a a villainess
0: of her caliber. Mm. (laughs) I just love her. And I will never apologize for loving her. I don't agree with what she does, but I think I admire her for how she speaks to, like how she not speaks to people, but how... She's so calm and she can hold herself in a way that makes fucking men cower. I mean, don't we all want to do that? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, we
1: do. It is my goal in life. I I couldn't do it with a straight face. So Coulter has taken the point position in the torture party. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This poor witch is clearly struggling. They're asking about Lyra. They're trying to get information about Lyra. They're trying to get information on the prophecy. Mm and the witch gives in she's about to give in and she says that if you knew her name the child's name will tell you what her prophecy is yeah. and cold is like i know her name yeah what do you mean if we knew her name and they're like no her name like there is a name that will make everything clear and there's a great line she is the one who came before and you have hated and feared her ever since well now she has come again And you failed to find her. She was there on Svalbard. She was there with Lord Asriel and you lost her. She escaped and she will be. And then her demon flies in Mm -hmm. and it's very exciting. But that like little riddle of a clue of like, ooh, it's somebody that they will recognize the name of. This name is like comparing Lyra to somebody and we want we want to know yeah. who, but we don't get to find out. And I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and then the witch's turn flies in and it's a heartbreaking moment of them being like together because they've been separated and in such a scary
0: time, like and not separated like regular people, like witch and demon separated, but even so. There was a bit that I wanted to call out just before all this stuff happens where when mrs coulter's like snapping at the witch's fingers like seraphina becomes visible for a second and everyone sees her because she like obviously she loses her composure and then she immediately becomes invisible again and they carry on and i know I've mentioned, I've mentioned the tv show a lot i think it's because in the season two trailer we've seen like a lot of this chapter is kind of included in the trailer right when we see all the witches and all that kind of stuff mrs coulter and i just really i really hope they do that in tv show i think they could I think they could frame it and make it look really nice and for, like, Seraphina appearing for, like, a split second and then yeah. like and then going away. But anyway, sorry, I jumped I jumped back in time. I jumped back no, in time. No, no, that's
1: fine because it's super relevant because the witch screams, Yambe Aka, come to me, come to me. And we know from the previous book that Yambe Aka is the goddess of death yeah. and that she comes to a witch when they're about to die, but Philip reiterates that for yeah. us. And so Serafina just becomes visible Mm -hmm. and is like, okay, cool. This is it. She's calling for me. And she... Beautiful. Okay. Serafina was ready. She became visible at once and stepped forward, smiling happily because Yambe Aka was merry and lighthearted and her visits were gifts of joy. The witch saw her and turned up her tear-stained face and Serafina bent to kiss it and slid the knife gently into the witch's heart. Her turned demon looked up with dim eyes and vanished. And now Serafina would have to fight her way out. Oh, I love it. It's so
0: beautiful. It's so beautiful. Mm. I have a question. Do we see Yamba Aka? Because like, is she a thing that appears when you're about to die? Because it says, because it's Serafina's the one that stabs the witch, right? Mm. So, but it says she became visible at once and stepped forward smiling happily because Yamba Aka was merry and light heart- hearted and her visits were gifts of joy. So I assumed that Yamba Aka appeared when you're about to die and that people would have seen her is that is that not what happens does she meet you when you die yeah but aka was the goddess who came to a witch when she was about to die
1: so i but i don't know if that's in the same way as like um because it's very is linked to like the witch religion and yeah. stuff so it's um it could be both because witches is so magical it could be that somebody literally comes to you it could be like Uh, Terry Pratchett's Grim Reaper, his death, Mm. that literally physically shows up and is like, hey, (laughs) Um, it could, or it could be like quite symbolic of like just saying like, yeah, come to me, I'm ready to die. Because the way that the witches were described in the first book that when Janberk is mentioned, then they're saying that like when she finally comes for a witch, the witches live such a long life Mm. that it is a gift to have their like long life ended. So I guess that's kind of, it's interesting. But I just... I really love the imagery of a death goddess that is happy and a gift and smiling. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, death is your gift. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I think it is really beautiful imagery of it being like a good thing and a relief. and And like, I'm not saying that death is super great, but it's a really lovely, poetic, beautiful way of viewing it for their culture that is so different from the way that western cultures yeah. and like western religions kind of view death in a lot of ways and the way that it's like oh death is a, a skull and bones mm. and he's gonna come for you and like it's really dark whereas like this is
0: it's a really beautiful poetic moment mm-hmm. I agree and I think that imagery is beautiful and I fucking love the image of Seraphina stabbing the witch in, in the heart I, there's just something really beautiful about that just because just
1: the fact that it's done with a kiss yeah. it's
0: done with love yeah. and it's like it's a mercy and it's yeah the question I had was would Yamba Aka come for anything like so if I was a witch and I wanted to die if I wanted to to die by suicide could I just call her and she would come or would she have to decide when it was my time to die
1: I don't know because I guess isn't that what the witch is doing when she says Yamba Eka come for me? But I don't know. I, I, I'm sad that we don't get more time with the witches to learn more about their culture mm. because um, I'm also very aware that Yamba Eka is an actu- an actual figure in our world's law and some some cultures mm. um, beliefs. So by Philip using her in the books, it kind of potentially muddies the water of what is Philip's witch's law and what is the law and beliefs of actual peoples that exist in our world. Yeah, Yeah. And so I wouldn't ever want to like just guess. No. If Philip hasn't written it specifically in the books, I wouldn't want to guess that it's exactly the same as an existing culture that has her as a goddess. And I also wouldn't want to assume otherwise from Mm -hmm. that either.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Philip, I love that you draw from real life, but sometimes it really muddies the waters. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Serafina, like you said, she's got she's to gotta fight her way out now. And she does it in style. She does, she does. <laughs> she kills the cardinal, right? Yep. Bowen arrows him straight through the fucking neck. I mean... <sighs> I don't think you're going to survive yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Does it say that it's his neck? No, I think I just assumed it was his neck because it says it's, he felt choking. So I was like, oh, maybe it's his neck. But yeah, I assume, yeah. assume he's dead. And then basically she just runs out of there whilst also fire firing a bow and arrow at people, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, she like tricks some guys briefly by being like, oh, prisoners got out and they're confused enough that she slips past. And like, basically she's an absolute badass. Yeah. I'm here
0: for it. <laughs> There's a bit here, which is hot. It's one of the first gay bits in this chapter. But the, so it says, in truth, she didn't know where to go, or what to do next. But there was one thing she knew for certain. There was an arrow in her quiver that would find its mark in Mrs. Coulter's throat. Hot. Hot. I am so here for that. Like. Oh my God. So great.
1: One of the most badass witches we know putting in her like little black book of I'm going to get you, Mrs. <laughs> Coulter yes thank you <gasps> i love it so leave me to my own devices i know right <laughs> yes yeah. give, give me a minute but yeah that was uh act one yep. of this chapter <laughs> seraphine is not really rescued but kind of rescued and protected information about lyra and now she's kind of working out what to do mm-hmm. i kind of love the there's a little paragraph here because she's not sure where to go she's not sure where to find the information that she wants the problem was that the usual sources of her knowledge were natural ones she could track any animal catch any fish find the rarest berries because her business is with nature of course of course uh she could read the signs in the pine martin's entrails or decipher the wisdom in the scales of a perch or interpret the warnings in the crocus pollen but these were children of nature, and they told her natural truths. For knowledge of Lord Asriel, she had to go elsewhere to meet Dr. Marsalius. Mm. But the whole, like, reading things in the entrails of Pine martins, mm-hmm. made me think of... Have you seen Stardust? No. Oh, my God. Okay, so the witches in that. I love, like, just generally the mythology and the, like, things surrounding, like, witches reading things in, like, natural patterns and entrails yeah. and stuff is, like, super.
0: Is that the one with in?
1: Yes, yeah. and Michelle Pfeiffer, okay. who is hot. Um, and, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer is one of three witches who they have, like, in their, like, witchy mm-hmm. house, castle. I think they're in a palace. Um, they have loads of animals in cages that fucking hate them as well and are absolutely petrified because their whole thing is they're, like, bad witches and they, um, to find to read the future, they read animal entrails and there's just some really intense scenes in that mm-hmm. film of them, like, gutting and then, like like holding up uh, like an intestine to the light to like yeah. read what it has to tell them kind of thing and it's like it just made me think of that mm. and i wanted to bring it up as like a really witchy witchy thing yeah. that is like common to a lot of witch lore yeah. is reading from nature and reading from entrails lovely super fun and i was gonna google more about entrail reading <laughs> but i didn't want to have that in my google <laughs> history <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I didn't want to see the pictures.
0: Uh, so, <laughs> oh god! Yeah, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she heads over to see Doctor Lancelius, Lons- who we've not seen for a while. Not seen since one of the first chapter. No, it would have been like chapter nine or ten. Right, is the console
1: and the bear, which there I think go. was chapter eleven Ooh. or ten.
0: One of those. Yes. one of those.
1: So he gets out a bottle of tequila, drink tequila. Takai. 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 <gasps> Takai. It's Takai. Come on, Rick I flipped. You've you've flipped the way that I said it. I said it right when we started this podcast. Yeah.
0: And you were like so vindicated that you said it right. And now you've gone back to saying it wrong. Just whatever happens. I just want to say it wrong about yeah. me. Yeah. It's like, no, it's Takai. He gets out a bottle of Takai. Mm-hmm. Everybody has
1: to do a shot now. Yeah. Because they got a bottle of Takai mm-hmm. out. And it's like chapter one all over. Which it. we still haven't <laughs>
0: fucking found a bottle of Takai. And we desperately need to. We do. We were going to do it. For, we, we were going to do it for when we did our Golden Compass watch along with our patrons, but we couldn't find it.
1: No. It's hard to get. We'll have to look into it.
0: Sarafina says something else about Miss to which I enjoyed, which...
1: I was about to read that too. <laughs> so she's, she she's double checking with the console that like they didn't find anything out about the child, etc. And kind of like relaying this information, that which was captured. And uh... <laughs> Lancelius asks... Uh, if they understood what the witch had said about the child, mm-hmm. And she says, "Not fully, I think, but they know she's important." As for that woman, I'm afraid of her, Doctor Lancelius. I shall kill her, I think, but I'm still afraid of her. <laughs> I, I'm going to kill you. It's very killing, Eve. It's yes. very killing. Oh Eve. God, it really is, isn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. So is Doctor Lancelius tells her some information. So he says. They say that the Magisterium is assembling the greatest army ever known, and that this and this is an advanced party. And there are unpleasant rumors about some of the soldiers. Seraphina Pecola I love full name in these books. I fucking love it. Love it. <laughs> I've heard about Bolvanger and what they were doing there, cutting children's demons away—the most evil work I've ever heard of. Well, it seems there is a regiment of warriors who have been treated in the same way. Do you know the word zombie? They fear nothing because they're mindless. There are some in this town now. The authorities keep them hidden, but word gets out and the townspeople are terrified of them. So we heard the word zombie in the last book, didn't we? Mm Mm-hmm. And are we assuming that these are adults then with their demons cut away?
1: I think so. Mm. I think so. It was referred to when they were talking about demon cutting and Bolvanger in a chapter in the first book, and I think it was very much to do with that. I assume if it's an army, oh my God, an army of children with their demons cut away would be absolutely horrifying. Yes, it would. Ghost babies are the worst babies. Uh, <laughs> oh. ghost you, know, you know I'm scared of little ghost girls. <laughs> <laughs> Friends quote for you there. Yeah, ter- terrifying. Yeah. Um, also very much like, oh, are they assembling an army of the dead? Yeah. Game of Thrones references. I mean, just, it's all getting very epic, like epic references. Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> and then Serafina asks about the other witch clans and he says that basically they're all scared. Like they've all gone back to their homelands uh, waiting for what's gonna happen next and what happens here basically it's actually a really short trip right because she asks him about asriel and what asriel's got planned and he's like i ain't got a fucking clue mate but thorold might go and see him and then she goes to see thorold <laughs> she says bye to the consul and then flies away basically and She's going to the north because we learn that Thoral's still in the house on Svalbard where Asriel left him. It says more stuff about um, what's happened to the environment since Asriel has like cut the world in half. In half. Cut, uh, you know what I mean. He's cut the world. A- cut a hole in the fabric of reality. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds to me a lot like climate change. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... It says, Seraphina's journey to the north was made harder by the confusion in the world around her. All the Arctic peoples had been thrown into panic, and so had the animals. Not only by the fog and the magnetic variations, but by unseasonal, unseasonal crackings of ice and stirrings in the soil. It was as if the earth itself, the permafrost, was slowly awakening from a long dream of being frozen. And, yeah, it says more here about, like, animals being confused and, like, magnetic fields being off. And, yeah, it just... Seems a lot like what's happening in the world right now. Azriel's causing climate change, basically. (laughs) And that's why we fucking hate him. (laughs) Just another... Screw you, Azriel. Stop heating up the planet. Another fucking (laughs) tick off the list of things, like reasons why we hate Azriel. (laughs) Uh,
1: We're being so harsh on Azriel. He did get a weird compliment from the console in the last section where he said that... um asriel is a scholar but he he's not a scholar and he doesn't really have this ambition to rule he doesn't want to have power to possess power it's something else and that that makes it scarier because we don't know why like he's not grabbing for power because Mm. he wants to rule over everybody and be some kind of king
0: yeah that we know of it's true we do learn more about people's thoughts about asriel's intentions and it kind of it doesn't warm me to Asriel, but like, yeah, it's kind of like what we were saying in Northern Lights, right? That he has this plan for, and it's going to be for the greater good. Um, and I think David said that in his email to us as well about how, what Asriel's doing is because of the, like, the greater plan for the world and the things that are going to happen. Yeah. And it does give you more of that. And so, yeah, you can kind of see why he's doing these things or why people think he's doing these things at least.
1: Yeah, if you know him as an abstract concept of a person as opposed to an actual person, he seems like a great guy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. She goes to find Thorold. Mm -hmm. Thorold is fighting off some cliff ghasts. Why not? Why not, indeed. Which I love the way that Philip's just been like, what noise do cliff ghasts make? (laughs) Hmm. So how would you say this? How do you say this in your head when you're reading it? Because it's spelled Y-O-W-K. Yeah, Yeah, I said, are you thinking yoke yoke or
0: yoke 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 I went yoke 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 do you know what it reminded me of and I feel like we brought this film up before um Ace Ventura but I think it's when Nature Calls it's the second one and it's when he's on the plane and he's doing that impression of a yak and he's like "Yeah."
1: Oh, those films are riddled with incredibly problematic oh, content. God, and are. yeah, some parts of them will always still tickle yeah. me. I just won't choose to Same. buy any of them.
0: Same. Same. Anyway, it sounds a bit like that in my head. If
1: I... <laughs> yuck, yuck. <laughs> um, How do you think a Cliff Gas sounds, audience? Us. Send us a voice note <laughs> if you do doing oh an impression. <laughs> Imagine if we just got loads of Cliff Gas voice notes. <laughs> we could like we'll
0: share them in the mailbag. We could like <laughs> layer them up to be like an army of cliff gas
1: yeah we can make a <laughs> flock of cliff gas if you all try and yoke yolk <laughs> <laughs> maybe that can be how we sign out of the podcast from
0: now on by going yoke 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 oh my god please please everyone please send in your impression <laughs> we would love to hear them oh, please do. <laughs> so yeah they're like fighting cliff gas i don't really see why they put this in like it's just a bit of action i suppose right
1: yeah you gotta get some stabbies in
0: i suppose it kind of shows immediately well actually i was going to sh- say it shows immediately that seraphine is like a friend but it does kind of doesn't it say that like cliff are enemy uh like enemies of everyone i really enjoyed this so there's like
1: two there's a couple of little things that are like they sound like formalities of like cultural yep. ingrained knowledge so it's uh, a cliff gas was an enemy always and then when thorold is interacting with seraphina it says uh, a witch was an enemy sometimes yeah and like i just love that i love the like repeating of the same way of phrasing a thing yeah. which we saw it, just, thought it makes last sense. chapter
0: with uh yes. will and lyra um which somebody tweeted yeah, in to help yeah with. thank you I appreciated it. it was Lo and david i think let me check
1: yeah they went and found it in the books and it was when lyra was thinking about the taboo and how she's not allowed to touch another person's demon. And it was about Sophonax and her fur. And now we know
0: that. They kind of, like, meet outside and they're like, look, I'm on your side, all that kind of stuff. And then Serafina goes they in. They both have to say, look, I lay down my bow, I think. And then, look, I lay down
1: my rifle. <laughs> and it's, like, a very... And I think Philip even says, like, the formality is exchanged. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: it's very formal. But I love, like, little cultural nods to things like that. Yeah. Like, this is how people do this in this world. And I'm like,
0: cool. I love it. I like we it. I love to see it. So <laughs> yeah. they go inside, and uh, they, I think one of the reasons as well why they know that they're friendly with each other is because they uh, I think Serafina says she's a friend of Lyra's, right? Or that she's looking for Lyra. Yeah,
1: She... And he's like, oh, I know Lyra, like, I enjoyed seeing her on the years when we got to go and see her in Jordan, and it's like, yay. Yeah.
0: So then Serafina asks him what Lord Azrael is planning to do, and this... (laughs) Can I read it? Because it just... It paints
1: a really clear picture of, you know how when you're... If you ever go on a first date with somebody and you can judge immediately a red flag, but if they're really rude to the waiting staff and if you're going for a meal. Yeah. This is basically that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, Serafina asks what Lord Azrael is planning to do. And Thoreau says, "'You don't think he told me, do you, Serafina Pecklet? "'I'm his manservant, that's all. "'I clean his clothes and I cook his meals and I keep his house tidy.' I may have learned a thing or two in the years I've been with his lordship, but only by picking him up accidental, he wouldn't confide in me any more than he would
0: in his shaving mug. <sighs> Do you know what is the biggest turnoff? People aren't objects. <laughs> right. And also, what is the biggest turnoff? Fucking men that can't clean their own clothes and cook their own meals. <laughs> oh my god there's that too he's like the ultimate red flag you're a fucking adult Azriel. I don't care like how fucking great you think you are wash your own clothes, make your own food
1: but also this is so. this, is some, this isn't his enemy saying this thing about him this is somebody that respects him and has worked for him mm-hmm. for 40 years or something, like a really long time and clearly has a lot of admiration for the man and he still says about Azriel, he treats me like an object he wouldn't confide in me as much as he would in a shaving mug like I'm nothing more to him than a bit of equipment that gets some jobs done that are too boring for him to dain with and I just think it's a real and the fact that he admires Asriel so much I have a real theory about Thorold definitely having a crush on Asriel as we go on because yes
0: absolutely absolutely so Serafina tells him to tell her the things that he's learned by accident and then there's a bit here where it says like Thorold was an old man and like he's happy for the attention but also he knows that she's only given him the attention because she wants information out of him oh bless him Yeah, I mean he probably like he's not had like think about how long they've been on Svalbard he's not had any other human contact other than Asriel for fucking ages
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: at least he's got his demon to chat with but yeah that's true yeah that's yeah he says he, he can't tell her what he's actually doing but he can tell her what drives him so this is really interesting because we learn a lot here and we learn that um there is a god uh called the authority so that's the first time we hear of that um and I had to check that out in my little en- encyclopedia because I got confused because if you remember in the TV show, they do mention the authority in season one. And I was like, oh, did Azrael mention it at the end of Northern Lights? But he doesn't because in my little encyclopedia, it says that it's first mentioned in The Soul Knife. So here we are. Well done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we learn that the God of church in this world, like God with a capital G, like, how you would view it in like a standard christianity formation yeah. god with a capital g is called the authority yeah. in the magisterium's structure
0: yeah well, Lord Asriel's never found himself at ease in the doctrines of the church, so to speak. I've seen a spasm of disgust cross his face when they talk of the sacraments and atonement and redemption and such like. It's death among our people, Serafina Pecola, to challenge the, the church. But Lord Asriel's been nursing a, re- a, re- a rebellion in his heart for as long as I've served him. And that's one thing I do know. And I kind of wanted to say here that I, and maybe not to the extent of like, I think it says that Asriel's like disgusted at, at the... Like mention, uh, yeah, Spasm have discussed when they talk about sacraments and the term and the redemption and stuff to do with the church. But I kind, I do see, like, I relate to him because I am just not into religion at all. I kind of have not the same level as feelings of as as real about like things like uh, Christianity and like Catholicism and things like that. But I do have some level of that just because of the the things that religion can cause and the things that a lot of religious people believe in and that's not me saying that you shouldn't be religious I want everyone to feel at like peace with with things like that if if it helps you in your life then that's amazing but I've I've also seen it do some really horrific things um and it's never been something that I have related to um so yeah part of me kind of relates to Asriel uh, on that level a little bit
1: yeah I think especially in this context of Lord Asriel saying it as well it's Philip Pullman has like a super hyper escalated version of what a lot of religious structures do look like like blasphemy is a thing and if our world and in Asriel's world it just happens in Asriel's world it's very much punishable by death yeah. in a society that looks like our society whereas like in our society historically it has been like very punishable yeah. Um. but not so much in modern western culture right now mm. And so that's what makes it so much more kind of justified in Azriel's terms as well, of being like something massive to launch a rebellion against. Yeah. Because it is a very corrupt system as well. And the fact that it aids a corrupt system. Yeah. Which it definitely does in Western society as well, but just not in quite the same level of extre- extremity. Yeah,
0: yeah. I always say this to you, Rich, but I love that you talk so eloquently and I sound like I'm talking out of my ass and then I'll say something And I don't know what words I want to use. So they come out in just a massive string of shit. And then you'll say it really eloquently after. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I meant.
1: (laughs) I I hope it doesn't sound like I'm
0: just repeating. No, I feel like I need it.
1: But better.
0: I I feel like I need it. Because a lot of the time, like when we're recording the podcast, I kind of just, the, the words just come to me and I just say them. And I don't think about what I'm saying enough. And so it's nice to have you there to be like, okay, this is what I think you mean. And I'm like, yes, that's what I mean. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hope hope it doesn't come off as patronizing. It doesn't. Well, it doesn't feel patronizing. So it's good. I enjoy it. (laughs) Brilliant.
1: Asriel has decided that whilst he's been holding a rebellion in his heart, which I kind of love, he's been nursing a rebellion in his heart, just as the turn of phrase, Mm. I think it's great. Thorold explains that Whilst Asriel has been like against the church as a concept for his entire life, recently his ambitions have risen and he seems to think that the church is too small of a fish to fry and so he's not just going for the church, he is going for God with a capital G, he is going for the authority and that is his goal. And I just would like to take a moment to sit back and think about how much ego a person would have to have
0: to be like you know what I'm gonna do I'm
1: just gonna kill God yeah fuck. sure I'll go after God shall
0: I it's like catastrophic levels of ego yeah in a
1: world where you've grown up controlled by a society that is controlled by religion it's not like he's Guy Fawkesing and like being like oh I'm just gonna take down the prime minister no he is going for like God yeah <laughs> a mythical <laughs> mythical Being like, do you know like (laughs) with a capital G? Like, it's such a God is such an abstract concept, but for Azra, be like, nope. I think it's a dude, and I think I'm gonna kill him. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's it's just outrageous. I just can't imagine like how could anyone put those things together and be like, I don't like how our society is being run, so I'm just gonna go and kill God. (laughs) Like, okay. Oh God. No. I said oh God and then laughed at myself saying oh God.
1: There's a little bit here that make- gives me seeds towards Thorold, definitely having a bit of a thing for asriel mm-hmm. Seraphina asks why Asriel hasn't launched a rebellion against the church yet, and basically Thorold comes out with a phrase that is No sir no, that wouldn't stop my master. Now, this might sound strange to you, Serafina Pecola, but I know the man better than any wife could know him, better than a mother. He's been my master and my study for nigh on 40 years. I can't follow him to the height of his thought any more than I can fly, but I can see where he's a-heading, even if I can't go after him. No, it's my belief he turned away from a rebellion against the church, not because the church was too strong, but because it was too weak to be worth fighting. And like, it, there's something later that's like I've never spoke of it before and I shan't again I'd be afraid to speak of it aloud to you if you weren't a witch beyond the power of the church but that makes sense and nothing else does he's a going to find the authority and kill him and he comes out with another thing that's like if anyone could do it Lord Asriel could do it he's not like other men and there's just little bits laced throughout this that just make me think that he's he's holding a lovely little candle for Lord Asriel And I wonder if there's like an unrequited uh, Mr. Burns, Mr. Smithers (laughs) dynamic crush occurring.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That is what
1: I'm wondering. (laughs) I think you're
0: probably right. I think that Thorold definitely has a crush. I think that Asriel probably knows it as well. And I think it probably adds to Asriel's ego. I think he would like that attention from somebody, uh, regardless of, of who it was. I just kind of wish that Asriel had given him a bit more of the time of day yeah yeah they treated him
1: better than a, a shaving yeah drug. yeah exactly yeah there's a look at what he's done already he's torn open the sky he's opened the way to another world who else has ever done that who else could even think of it so one part of me seraphina peckler i say he's mad wicked deranged yeah with another part i think he's lord asriel he's not like the <laughs> he's not like the other maybe man. if it were yeah <laughs> maybe if it was ever going to be possible it'd be done by him and no one yeah. else and i'm just like oh yeah keep that
0: candle flaming you are right thorold he's not like other men but that doesn't mean that he is good you can definitely do He <laughs> can than definitely thorold. do better 100 <laughs> they mention angels as well which is something to also put a pin in and seraphina peckley doesn't know what angels are which
1: i don't know if that's just because which society is so removed mm-hmm. from the church and the society that lyra lives in where i imagine yeah angels might be talked about more or maybe
0: angels don't factor in as heavily in their version of the bible
1: well, as they well maybe
0: i just think that seraphina mentions later in the chapter doesn't doesn't she that she doesn't they don't really usually get involved in human issues so I think it's probably that they're quite far removed and also like her helping Lyra and stuff, even in the first book, it's quite, we'd learn is, was quite an anomaly, right? That's not something that they do a lot. They don't really help humans out.
1: That's true. She's busy.
0: Yeah. Reading entrails. Exactly. <laughs> like to get her information. Yeah. So Thorold, uh, Serafina asked Thorold what, what he's going to do and he says he's going to stay there and wait till Asriel comes back <sighs> or till he dies. He's just like committed to being there until Azrael comes back and tells him otherwise (laughs) yeah and he asks seraphina what she's gonna do and she says that she's gonna make sure the child is safe and she might pass this way again and she'll be happy to know that thorold's still gonna be there but i'm like seraphina you should have told him to go go and live your life thorold
1: oh thorold he says
0: he won't budge No.
1: But then she won't stay for dinner. So poor old Thor was <laughs> left all alone again as Seraphina flies off to go and find the witches. But she there's an interesting thing. She's flying off and her and her demon are quiet. He's given her sp- the space to think. She felt fear for them, but fear for herself too, for she was having to change. These were human affairs that she was inquiring into. This was a human matter. Lord Asriel's God was not hers. Was she becoming human? Was she losing her witchhood? If she were, she could not do it alone. And then they head towards to meeting the witches. And I just enjoy that whilst there's all these like lofty things going on as well, we're brought back into like the core of Seraphina mm-hmm. and her like questioning her individuality and questioning her identity yeah. and her own personal
0: journey as well. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So she heads home to the rest of the witches. And we enter uh, part four oh, oh. of the chapter <laughs> and obviously i'm very excited <laughs> this is my favorite bit of this chapter because lee Scoresby's here and it's fucking gay and uh, yes i'm here for it <laughs> so they found the others of their clan and lee Scoresby me too so basically Hi. the witches lee's in a been fucked basically all broken and shit and the witches helped him back to where they live so that he can try and fix it but he's just been living with the witches and i love that for him also my first question was going to be do you think any of them were over the age of 300 because we know that he was spoiled for witches under 300
1: i was literally about to ask that exact same <laughs> question i wonder if he has just been really starved of the company of witches for this long because we know from the lantern sides, yeah that that lee was ruined for women under the age of 300 and now he's surrounded by women potentially over the age of 300 and he must just be like oh, i wonder if any of them will like yeah. me like i wonder if, if he's like a shy boy showing oh. up to prom and hoping that he might get asked to dance I like hope so. i hope so oh, oh lee maybe
0: you'll fall in love again oh. lee. and seraphina asks him to be part of their council tonight, which apparently never, ever happens. No man had ever been known to join a witch council.
1: Brilliant juxtaposition against the council of men at the beginning of this chapter, where we knew that Mrs. Coulter had to create an environment where she was feared to even be invited to that table. And Lee's just showed up and they've taken him in as somebody that was vulnerable and somebody that needed help. And they've invited him to their table. Yeah. And we love to see. That's it. how. That's how easy it is to offer up a seat at your table. Gents.
0: Exactly. That's how easy it could mm. be if
1: you just like recognize that other people have may have differing and insightful opinions to yours. That could help you, just you. Offer a seat at the table. They just
0: want <laughs> to help you, for fuck's sake. Yeah. So there's a nice description here that I'd like to read. So it says, all through that day, the witches came like flakes of black snow on the wings of a storm. Filling the skies with the darting flutter of their silk and the swish of air through the needles of their cloud pine branches, men who hunted in the dripping forests or fished among melting ice floods heard the sky wide whisper through the fog and if the sky was clear, they would look up to see the witches flying like scraps of darkness drifting on a secret tide. I love that. I love it. Imagine looking up and being like, oh, the witches. Yeah, it's snowing witches. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's really nice.
1: It also makes me think of the imagery
0: of Dementors swirling in yes, Harry water. yeah. Very much yeah, so. Yeah, drink. So it's time for the council, and Seraphine is wearing a nice little crown, which sounds lovely. Um, Scarlet flowers nestling among her fair hair, and then on her left sat Lee, and on her right sat the Queen of the Latvian Witches, whose name was Ruta Skadi. Oh, Ruta. She's hot okay yes so
1: basically sarah this is seraphina's uh, first impression mm-hmm. of ruta who i believe she's heard of before but perhaps never met in person and this
0: description is so fucking gay go ahead
1: seraphina <laughs> had thought mrs Coulter beautiful for a short life i don't know if that's what they're calling humans short lives or like
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't think that. I didn't think about that. Is it like Landloper? Landlo- maybe. Like a short yeah, life. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, that was just a passing thought as I was reading it. Serafina had thought Mrs. Coulter beautiful for a short life, but Ruta Scardi was as lovely as Mrs. Coulter with an extra dimension of the mysterious, the uncanny. She had trafficked with spirits and it showed she was vivid and passionate with large black eyes and it was said that lord Azrael himself had been her lover fuck that one <laughs> um, <laughs> she wore heavy gold earrings and a crown on her black curly hair ringed with fangs of snow tigers seraphina's demon kaiser had learned from ruta skadi's demon that- this is a bit that i want to read because i think it's horrific but i'm kind of here i for know it. <laughs> same seraphina's demon kaiser had learned from ruta Scardi's demon that she had killed the tigers herself in order to punish the tartar tribe who worshiped them because the tribesmen had failed to do her honor when she had visited their territory without their tiger gods the tribe declined into fear and melancholy and begged them to allow the- and begged her to allow them to worship her instead only to be rejected with contempt for what good would their worship do her she asked it had done nothing for the tigers such was Ruta scardi beautiful proud and pitiless oh my god what an introduction to a character. Like, that is harsh. That is harsh as fuck. I mean, Killing somebody's, like, tiger gods and then being like, no, you can't worship me instead. I don't want
0: it. Step <laughs> on my fucking neck, Ruta Scardi. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my god. So she's described as...
1: She's, like, culter times a thousand, I think, yeah. basically. And in that she is captivating Mm. and also cruel and it's that level of like cruelness that is so it makes her so untouchable Mm. and so unattainable and like
0: and Serafina blatantly has a massive crush on her which are we like drawing a line here with Serafina I think she enjoys uh, women that are more of a I don't want to say evil because I don't think Ruta is evil but uh, have mean tendencies maybe
1: yeah that's so mean but also just like what a moment to be like please please let us worship you and she's just like no yeah um, <laughs> like ab- i'm above being mm. worshipped excuse you <laughs> do i fucking
0: look like i want you to worship me i don't think so <laughs> just oh, okay <laughs> um i uh, did want to point out here something quick i read ruta Scardi as being a black woman so it says that, me yeah, so it says that she has black curly hair and black eyes. And I was imagining her being this like beautiful black woman with like long curly hair. But then on the next page, it says something about her white arms. I'm
1: choosing to ignore yeah, me that. Too. And I'm choosing yeah. to view that as like,
0: I, yeah, I'm kind
1: of choosing to yeah. ignore that because I was like here for it for like a page and a half and then Phil ruined it for yeah. me. And I was like... Ignoring it. yeah. I'm glad we're and on I, I suspect that might be what they've done in the TV show. Yeah, well. I think so. Because there um, is a great shot in the season two trailer of Serafina face to face. She
0: with... is played by an actress called Jade Anuka. It's either Jade Anuka or Jade, Jade Anuka. Um, yeah, and she plays Ruth Scardine And she, oh, I think she's going to fucking smash it. She looks great. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page with that because I was like, Phil, mm-hmm. you're not ruining this for me. You're just not. Also, just like, okay...
1: It's written by a white guy in the 90s It's the same way with like with the, When you're reading like Harry Potter And J.K. Rowling says that Hermione has like Curly hair that's hard to manage and like That's one of the only descriptors we get of her And then somebody turns around and goes no they're white hmm. Like I'm just, no Like the diversity in a book Of this type is so rare That if there is even the slightest hint That you can read into it
0: Read away exactly. Read away. 100%. <laughs> I was like black curly hair, yes Yeah, 100% <laughs> So, Serafina doesn't know why Ruta Scardi's is there. Um, and then they like start the council and Serafina starts to speak. And basically, she's telling them all about how their world's been broken by Asriel. Sh- they need to find Lyra, basically. She explains to everybody why they should love Lyra as much as she does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Then she asks Ruta to speak and Ruta says some very interesting things. So, Ruta Skadi, she does a big speech about how they need to fight the magisterium, etc. She mentions the cutting at Bolvanga, and then she says that, she says, "'Sisters, you know, early in the North, I have travelled in the Southlands. There are churches there, believe me, that cut their children too, as the people of Bolvanga did. Not in the same way, but just as horribly. They cut their sexual organs, yes, both boys and girls. They cut them with knives so that they shan't feel.' And that's so interesting and horrendous, but obviously, in the first book, Rach, you drew the like uh, the parallel between cutting kids away from their demons and uh, FGM. It we're getting it laid out to us here that that actually just happened in this world. Like actual. I wonder if, because I,
1: it's something that occurred to me when I was reading the chapter, but I wonder if that had been seeded by mm. having read all the books and having this mentioned. Um. Or just the fact that it is very clearly coded that way and Phillips just made the point of like hammering it home that that it was deliberately coded that way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. How horrid. Brutal. Thanks, the world. Thanks, Mm. the church in this world. Yeah. Thanks.
0: But no thanks. I hate it. (laughs) Me too. Me too. So... Um, Ruta is suggesting that their clans join together and go north to explore the new world um, and see what they can discover there. They're basically saying that they know Lyra has gone after Azrael already pretty much and that Azrael is the key to this, believe me. He was my lover once and I would willingly join forces with him because he hates the church and all it does.
1: I am not a super big fan of the fact that when we were describing
0: how beautiful
1: Ruta Gardi was, it was clarified by the fact that she'd been Lord Asriel's lover. Mm, we don't need that. And now she's using the fact that she's been Lord Asriel's lover as part of his like, part of me is like, oh, it's interesting that she's using that as a credentials of, of why people should trust him. But also, I'd really like for women to not be defined by yeah. their sexual partners. Like, that would be super great. Um, Or defined by their context to the men in their lives. And I don't know that that's what Rooch is doing here in this moment, but it, it was definitely described as a part of her beauty yeah. in the previous yeah. page. I didn't appreciate that. But this is maybe more of her vouching for him being like, he's solid mm. because I took him on. And, and like- it- her bringing him up rather than the other way
0: around no totally and i I was just gonna say i think you're completely right and i think that it just wasn't needed in that previous paragraph because she says it here Mm -hmm. she says he was my lover once we don't need to hear it before when we're getting this really beautiful description of her because it it for to us, at least, it doesn't mean anything that she was with him. We don't give a shit about that. We give a shit that she's fucking beautiful and that she she just fucking steps on my neck because she can if she wants.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it 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 marred it for me that it was in that first paragraph that it meant that when she mentioned it here, I wasn't like, oh, that makes Azrael come up in my estimations because she took him on. Yeah. Like it. It just eh whatever. Um, I yeah. Yeah, I just thought that she finished it and was like, and that is what
0: I have to say. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Back in, take it, I'll leave it.
1: Ruth Asgardi po- spoke passionately and Serafina admired her power and her beauty. Yes, yeah, she did. Yes, she did, Serafina. <laughs> and we go to Lee. Lee has a really convoluted speech. She does. I'd just like to say that this is weirdly exposition-y. Yeah. And... I would have appreciated it woven into the narrative earlier in the in like the last book mm. to have had some yeah, clues. Yeah, that's
0: fair. Yeah, because we talk basically he talks about Grumman, right? So he, the gist of this is that the fucking head in a box, the what's in the box from Northern Lights, uh, first couple of chapters was we thought was head of Grumman, but then Lee Scarsby's like, well, I don't think it is because I've seen oh, I've heard that he's still alive. So, and Grumman has this thing. He has an object that gives protection to whoever holds it. So Lee wants to go and find Grumman to get that and take it to Lyra. And like... I just feel like
1: it's Philip just like retconning some stuff. Yeah. Of Lee being like, it occurred to me when I was in, when I was flying to Svalbard, I remembered it. And it's like, Phil, you could have written it when he physically actually remembered it. And we were like in the balloon with him. Yeah. But he didn't. Maybe it got cut in the previous book. Maybe it was like an editing yeah, maybe. to like cut it because it didn't feel relevant. But like bringing it up here feels like a real retcon moment. Is it retcon the right Yeah, way? it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. It just makes it feel I like, feel really
0: like jammed in there. It's like, okay. Yeah. Lee's given himself a mission. Do you, Yeah. Do you think like Philip was like, We need to give Lee something to do in this book. Kind of like in Star Wars, I can't remember which one it was. Do you know the new ones? I think it might've been the second one. In that film, they give John John Boyega and Kelly Marie Tran's characters like a fucking side story that means absolutely nothing to the plot. And I hated it. And I feel like they did the same thing there. They were like, well, we need something for for those characters to do. So let's just send them off on this mission. I'm not saying that Lee's mission's not going to mean anything, but I kind of feel like maybe Philip had the same thought process where he's like, okay, I planned all this stuff for these other characters, but I need to give Lee something to do that means something.
1: And I hadn't planned it in the first book. <laughs> so I'll just write it into this little paragraph that he's going to say in the second book when he give. I just, I love that Serafina is like the head of this meeting and she's giving everybody jobs to do. Mm-hmm. But Lee's given himself his own job to do. Yeah, He's like, I'm going
0: to do this thing.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Puts his hand up. So he's going to go to Nova Zembla, which is apparently where Grimman was last seen. And I just want to read this bit that makes me want to fucking cry. So Serafina said, Have you been married, Mr. Scoresby? Have you any children? No, ma'am, I have no child, though I would have liked to be a father. But I understand your question, and you're right. That little girl has had bad luck with her two parents, and maybe I can make it up to her. Someone has to do it, and I'm willing.
1: I initially read when she was like, he was like, said his passionate speech or whatever, and then Serafina was like, Are you married? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw that as her being like, are you uh spoken for Shall we uh Serafina just <laughs> but that's not what she meant yeah. obviously but I just like, it's so out of the blue that it felt like she was asking him if yeah. he was single and ready to make Seraphina just
0: trying to get it wherever she can in this chapter <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so um Serafina then takes one of the flowers out of her crown and gives it to Lee and says that if you if you like this will like use it if you need me here's my number yeah bitch call me maybe <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's literally she's like giving him her phone, yeah. she's taken his arm and she's scrawled her phone number in like marker pen on his arm, that's what she just yep.
0: did yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. <laughs> so then the council begins <laughs> properly they all get a chance to speak if they want to so all the witches get a chance to speak uh, they then agree that they should send out messages to other witch clans to see if they want to get involved in this as well because it's going to be like a massive mission then Serafina's like what of you, Queen Ruta Scardi? What are your plans? <laughs> and she's like, are you married? <laughs> do you have children? <laughs> she's basically like, can you tell me what you're going to do so that I can pretend that that's what I was going to do all along and then I can come with you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um,
1: oh my God. But Ruta's going to go and find Asriel because that's her jam. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I shall search for Lord Asriel and learn what he's doing from his own lips. Ooh. I will you now. Oh, will you? And it seems that he's gone northwards too. May I come for the first part of the journey with you, sister? And Serafina's like, You may and welcome. Woo-hoo! Said Serafina, who was glad to have her company. Boom! Have her company. They're gonna fuck.
0: <laughs> and I like it. I'm here for it. Uh,
1: I, yeah. And then, so they've agreed, everyone's got their missions. Serafina's picked her, like, little group of 20 witches to, like, go on the expedition party. Mm-hmm. And then this uh, pair of witches, after the meeting's finished, kind of, like, tag along to, like, have a chat with her. And I love how out of the blue this is. <laughs> a young witch called Juta Kamainen. Kamainen? Mm. I'm going to go with that.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm really sorry if it's come wrong.
0: In and yeah, Kamainen, yeah.
1: And with her robin demon uh, is cute. And she basically is like, Queen, I know the man, Stanislav Grumman, and I used to love him, but I hate him now with such fe- with, with such a fervor that if I see
0: him, I shall kill him. I would have said nothing, but my sister made me tell you. This is so fucking funny, because she's just like, excuse me, mate, I fucking hate that guy you were talking about earlier. And that's it. I don't have anything else to say. I fucking hate him. Yeah. It's just like, excuse me, that person you were just talking about.
1: I, I used to love him, but now I hate him, and I'm going to kill him if I ever see him again. I just thought I should tell Great. you. Great. Or my sister just thought I yeah. should tell you. But Serafina's like, okay, that's fine. We're totally down with you killing him. But it would be good if you killed him after Scoresby's <laughs> done his bit of his mission. So we'll take you with yeah. us to just put a little stopper on that killing him when you see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I love that she's, I just, she knew about love. Yeah. It's what it says. So Serafina knew Aww. about love. And she, she's like, well, that's fine. <laughs> if he is still alive he'll have to stay alive until mr scoresby finds him so you better come with us to the new world and then there'll be no danger of you killing him first
0: i love how she says love makes us suffer but this task of ours is greater than revenge remember that uh, remember that and then it's like oh seraphina she's like a little agony aunt <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, she's giving out advice because she's been through it herself bless her
1: yeah also her response isn't no don't kill him you shouldn't want to kill him it's just oh okay you do want to kill him Mm, that's not convenient right now so so we'll just like delay you come
0: along with (laughs) us and then we'll (laughs) sort it out yeah um and then they all get ready to go yeah and it says fly into the new world where no witch had ever flown before and then that's the end of the chapter What's What a chapter. So good. So good. I loved it. I loved it. It's actually probably one of my favourite chapters so far in like all of the books. I really like that we are taking a step in the direction of not always being with Lyra in this book. Um, And I don't think it's a spoiler to say that that will become kind of a theme because we're split between worlds now and Lyra can't be in all those places at once and the little symbol at the top of our pages for this Mm -hmm. chapter was all an alethiometer so I think that's symbolizing that that is Lyra's world yeah which I love yeah I'm here for it and also obviously we said it at the beginning but we fucking love that this is the gayest chapter that we've had so far fucking love to see that um yeah and I just think it's really great to see like spend more time with the witches because we haven't really had that before Yeah, learning so much more about their world because despite the fact that
1: we had witches in book one, We didn't really spend much time with anyone other than Kaiser. Like, we didn't even spend that much time with Serafina. And when we did, she was just an exposition machine. Whereas I feel like whilst she's gone around collecting information, it's all still been part of her personal mission. And like, now we get to know more about where her storyline's headed. Totally. um, And her plans, which I think is super great because we love Serafina Bekele. We do. And we have a new founder for Ruta Skadi. That's Ruta.
0: (laughs) Fucking yes. Yes. What's the next chapter called? A, ch-
1: a children's world mm-hmm. which makes me think
0: of it's a small oh god, world no. after
1: all <laughs> i bloody hope oh, it's not God that. i have a horror story of when we went to disneyland paris with my family that ride broke down when we were oh god it. did you just have to like hear the song over and over again over and over and over again It's an actual thing that happened and i i was like is that something that's like an anecdote i've once heard someone say that i was like kind of have adopted into my memory because mm. it was so long I was such a small child and then we were talking about our trip to Disneyland Paris with like I think I was like four or five my sister was just old enough to go on Space Mountain right yeah yeah um, and she's like four years older than me mm. and yeah I was asking my mum about it and she was like yeah we went on that small world ride and it broke down and
0: I was like it <laughs> did happen <laughs> my nightmare oh my yeah. god do you have an award? to give out i do Mm. my award this week is for
1: thorold and his little candle is holding up for lord asriel because he's gonna wait on that hill with his poor little dog for so long and i just want to give him his award and tell him that he's more than just a shaving Mm -hmm. Mm (laughs) pot he's more than just a servant he's his own person asriel's fucked off to another world and he should not feel obliged to sit around and wait for him to come back because let's face it it's probably not going to happen yeah. asriel hasn't given him a second thought and he should go and live his life he should go and meet a witch yeah he's up north there's loads of witches it seems to really improve your life if you go and meet a Apparently. witch please do that
0: yeah totally i
1: would like to write an advice column to thought oh he could go meet the witch's console, and then they could live together wow. and that would be the best couple that has
0: ever existed. Oh, Thorold. <laughs> hey, I love how your thoughts of Thorold have turned because you were not a fan of Thorold at the end of Northern Lights. No, I wasn't. Good, but good. I'm glad. I
1: did. Yeah, we didn't know that much about him and we've had more of a conversation with him and I just feel, I feel bad for yeah. him
0: now. Yeah, yeah. Who's your award for? My award is for Ruta. <laughs> of course because i was gonna go for the the witch that's like fuck fuck grumman because that's hilarious um but i think just for the raging crush i have on ruta Scardi, i've I've just gotta go for her Mm -hmm. and i I, like that's literally the entire reason because i think i have such a crush on her and i think she's amazing and oh my god just kill me ruta Scardi, just step on my neck do all those things to me
1: (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna count while i'm editing how many times (laughs) because it's more than you've ever have before, and I'm really here for it. I'm really here for you and Ruta. I I wish you all the best you. in your life together. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Speaking of awards, speaking of rewards, mm-hmm. this is our pre-credits reminder to write as a review. A good one. Um, enter yourself into a prize draw to win some bookmarks. All you've got to do is leave us a positive review, take a screenshot, email the screenshot to herdartmaterialspod at and that is your entry into a prize draw. When we hit 50 reviews, we will pick out 10 names from a hat. We might even get our friend Mr. Wilson to pick the yeah. names out of the hat for us. He is a dog, not a person. <laughs> um, just That's not a weird thing to say. And 10 of you will win... Some bookmarks. Yay! Some Hair Materials bookmarks. So that is exciting. Yes
0: it is. Woo!
1: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDM Pod, and you can email us at hairdartmaterialspod at
0: gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Pan, you can find me hanging out on Twitter and Instagram at fayle, which is F-A-Y-E-L-E-Y-Y. And if you want to read some of my old blog posts, I'm on medium at Faye.ducker. I'm
1: Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about demons and dust, I am making cute things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter at Rach underscore makes, and on my online shop, rachemakes.co.uk huge thanks as
0: always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. We'll see you in two weeks time and don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well.